Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Today in the show, we're going to be talking a little about nitrogen stabilizers and just about proper nitrogen management. If you've got any questions about nitrogen or anything that's going on in your farm, you can give us a call here, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on X, Ag PhD Media, or Brian Hefty. All right, before I forget, I just want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We'll be here throughout the holidays just uh, talking agronomics still, even in the middle of the winter up here. Although this year it doesn't feel like the middle of the winter when it's almost 50 degrees outside today unseasonably warm, no snow on the ground where we farm in southeast South Dakota. At this point last year, I think we'd already had like two or three blizzards, so makes me feel pretty good this year. Roads have been good and everything, so it's been nice getting around. And we are not going to have a white Christmas from the way it looks. We've had this happen times in the past. Times in the past. We don't get a lot of moisture around here anyway, but we've had it before where it's rained on Christmas and there's a good chance that that'll happen again. We're very, very dry. So we need some moisture. And as long as it doesn't come in that white form, I guess I am okay with it. Anyway, when it comes to this nitrogen stabilizer conversation, I I, I guess we get a lot of questions about nitrogen throughout the year. As you can imagine, it's the number one nutrient that everybody's talking about. And with a stabilizer, I just want to first bring up why we use these kind of products and why we discuss these so much. The general goal is this, and let me step back for just a second. A lot of times when we're doing soils clinics or I'm I'm doing meetings, I'll just ask people, all right, which nutrient is the most leachable? And people start throwing out nitrogen's the most leachable. And I go, well, here's the thing. Nitrogen on its own isn't necessarily leachable. Ammonium nitrogen is not. You see, soil is negatively charged. Ammonium nitrogen is positively charged. That positive nitrogen is going to bind to your soil. So if you're going, wait a second, well, how is it so leachable? Well, how it's leachable is because, unfortunately, it doesn't stay in that ammonium form as long as we would like. Hence, the use of the nitrogen stabilizers. We're trying to keep it in the ammonium form longer. That's the goal. Because once it converts over to nitrate, well, there's no stopping that nitrate. It's going to leach out of the ground, even in heavy soils, even in high organic matter soils. If you have enough rain, that nitrate is leaching. So that's, I guess, really the big thing is just understanding the forms that nitrogen can be in the soils. There are a lot of different forms, but the two main ones we talk about is ammonium nitrogen, which is stable, nitrate, which is very leachable. So yeah, if you want to say, well, nitrogen is leachable, just make sure you you think about which form we're talking about. So anyway, with these nitrogen stabilizers, the main forms of loss that we want to protect against are volatilization, leaching, and denitrification. So volatilization means it's going to go up in the air. So if let's say you're laying your nitrogen source on the soil surface, well, in that case, you've got to have, you want to have something to keep it from going up. But I would just say this, if let's say, you know, rain is coming tomorrow 
am I super worried about that loss? Or let's say you're going to till that nitrogen in tomorrow. Are you very worried about nit- uh, nitrogen volatilization? No. Even urea, you usually have 48 hours before you have to worry about it going up in the air. So I'm not tremendously worried about that whole volatilization loss, unless, of course, you're in an area like ours that's really dry, and I don't know when I'm going to get rain, and maybe I want to go no-till. So the thing is, though, with nitrogen stabilizers, some will only help you for volatilization. Now, there are others that won't help you for volatilization at all. So my point here is, rather than just going to your retailer and saying, I just need a nitrogen stabilizer, please be specific, because if all you're worried about is loss from volatilization, well, you can buy a cheaper nitrogen stabilizer to just protect against that. You don't need protection for leaching or denitrification. I mean, if that's truly what you want, just make sure you're only paying for what you want. Anyway, with the leaching and denitrification, that's nitrogen that's down in the ground. So leaching, obviously pretty easy, turns to nitrate and it goes down. With denitrification, it will convert over and you're going to have it go up in the air. So anymore, we do worry about nitrous oxide. That is far worse as a greenhouse gas than even carbon dioxide. So when we start thinking about loss from nitrogen, I mean, like for me, I'm always worried about volatilization and I'm worried about leaching. And most of the time, I don't even think about the denitrification thing. But if you've got super heavy soil, waterlogged soil, that nitrogen converts over to nitrous oxide and ends up going up in the air, that's not a good thing. You lost it, number one, and now we got a whole bunch more greenhouse gas. So not good either way. So take a look at these different stabilizers. We'll talk about them a little bit throughout the show today. But again, just make sure you're you're thinking always about, well, which form of loss do I really want to protect against? Because if you have just specific concerns and you're only interested in one or two out of the three different forms of losses, you may be able to save some money and get a less expensive nitrogen stabilizer. There are a lot of products out on the market today, and we're going to talk about some of those here in just a little bit. But again, with nitrogen, super important that we keep it in the field. It's not just the greenhouse gas thing I was talking about or potential water contamination, but I I always want you to think about your pocketbook too. So if for no other reason, if you, even if you don't care about the environment or the drinking water, I'm going to assume you at least care about your money. And we don't want you to lose your money. We want you to have a fantastic crop to do great for your soil and the water and the air and everything else. So anyway, nitrogen stabilizers can be a big key to that. So we'll talk about a a little bit today about when they are most important, when they aren't as important, and which potential products you could take a look at. Stay tuned. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Improve germination in your fields with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our unique spike design seals your seed within a firm vein of soil, providing maximum seed-to-soil contact and maximum germination. Order a set for your planter at farmshopmfg.com. 
It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Get the most from every acre on your farm by attending Ag PhD's workshops and clinics this winter. I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting several free workshops throughout January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn and soybeans, a soils clinic, and a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information and we can't wait to share it with you. Best of all, these events are free, so be sure to check them out. Register today at agphd.com. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We're talking about nitrogen stabilizers. And right before the break, I said, we'll talk a little bit about when these things pay the best, when they don't pay the best, and just talk maybe a little bit about some products that you could use, how you use them, that kind of thing. So uh, first on the show, we've got Ty Stender with us with Corteva. Hi, St- Hi Ty. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? Excellent. Uh, so we're talking about nitrogen stabilizers here. And the thing with Corteva, you've had nitrogen stabilizers for decades now, but now you have some choices. It's not just NSERV. So I, I guess maybe to begin with, if you wouldn't mind kind of clarifying the different product options and where they fit and where a farmer should use them. Yeah, sure. So with Corteva specifically, we've got uh, two products that are nitrification inhibitors, meaning they're protecting your nitrogen below ground, and that would be NSERV uh, for the use with anhydrous ammonia, and then Instinct NextGen uh, for the use with UAN, urea, uh, and liquid manure. And then we also have uh, Pennant Max TG, which is our above ground MBPT uh, product. So those are kind of the three nitrogen stabilizer products that we offer. And then um, also just in the nitrogen space, um, kind of follows under under my realm as well as Utricia in, and that's our nitrogen fixing biological. Um, but as far as stabilizers go, it's, it's Inserv, Instinct, and Pinnet Max. All right. Talk about the Pinnet Max real quick. Which forms of nitrogen can you use that with? And when you say above ground, you're talking volatilization, right? Yep, that's correct. It's a urease inhibitor. Uh, and so Pinnet Max can be used with uh, typically UAN or urea. And so that's going to protect you for uh, those applications where it might be later in the season, it might be um, a top dress or side dress type application. Um, and typically when uh, the weather is going to be drier, hotter, and just more prone to that loss above ground. 
and that's kind of where it, where it fits in there. Okay, so here's one of the questions I get all the time, because we're usually talking about how to use a nitrogen product, any nitrogen product, and how much, let's say, you can push it. In other words, we don't want to exceed what that soil can really hold. But of course, farmers are like, well, what if I want to put all my nitrogen on up front and I have lighter ground? Will the nitrogen stabilizer be enough to hold that there for a month or two? And I'm going, whoa, that seems like a lot to ask. But can you talk just a little bit about how far a farmer can push it when they put a nitrogen stabilizer product with their nitrogen? Yeah, there's it's kind of a lot to unpack there because it's everybody's got a different nitrogen program. Yep. So there's guys running uh, nitrogen in the fall, nitrogen in the spring. Um, we've got single applications, split applications, wide drop. There's a whole bunch of different, pro or, uh, I guess, ways that guys are using their nitrogen and applying it. And so there's there's not really a one-size-fits-all approach to it all um, and typically the majority of our nitrogen that we put on is typically lost below ground so over 70 percent of nitrogen is typically lost below ground which leaves about 30 percent to be lost above ground and and so i'll tell guys you know with our with our below ground nitrogen stabilizers with servant instinct uh, we typically extend that nitrogen availability for about six to eight weeks in the spring um, the soil temps warming up quickly we're getting more moisture um, and that's when it's most prone to loss. And then with Pinamax in those later situations, you know, we're protecting it from that above ground loss for, uh, call it seven to seven days to two weeks, uh, give or take, depending on the conditions. But once that makes its way uh, down in the soil profile, uh, those above ground stabilizers aren't really protecting you. So it's kind of protecting you for, for those given scenarios. But it's, yeah, it's definitely not going to extend you months and months uh, into the growing season. Yeah, because you brought up fall applications. Well, that's when you put something out in the fall, a lot of times it's a long time until you plant in the spring. So what do you advise a farmer there? I assume it's just, hey, put it out there as late as you can in the fall so then at least we get cold weather that's helping us out. But still, what are what are kind of your guidelines when you're talking to somebody about the fall application specifically? Yeah, when we look at fall applications, um, we, we typically recommend not to make those applications, uh, number one, until the conditions are fit, uh, meaning soil conditions. And then for temperatures, we typically like that soil temperature to be 50 degrees and trending downwards, yep. um, not just spiking at 50, uh, but trending downwards. Once we do that, and the reason for it is the bacteria in the soil that convert that nitrogen over to nitrates, the, more, um, uh, the less stable form in the soil, uh, they're, they're less active when we hit 50 degrees and start dropping below there. And so um, as an industry, we do a pretty good job of protecting and stabilizing those fall nitrogen applications. Um, a lot of people believe that it's getting them to spring. However, if we're doing our job correctly, the conditions are, are right and cool, um, that really that nitrogen is not as prone to loss throughout the winter time frame. It's typically we're applying and, and stabilizing in the fall so that when that soil warms up in the spring, we start getting those warm spring rains and that bacteria starts to ramp up. We're really trying to protect it in the spring. We just happen to be making those fall applications. But, but getting those conditions, weather conditions, soil conditions right, um, that's key to getting it um, to having successful fall nitrogen applications. So when I was a young agronomist and young farmer, my and this is a long time ago, my dad would often say, well, if I'm applying nitrogen in the fall, I'm just going to put some extra on because I figure I'm going to lose some. And I, I feel like that was more old school thinking because 
it wasn't a big deal. We weren't putting that many pounds out there when we were going for, quite frankly, 130 bushel corn. It's no real big deal. What are you going to put out? 10 extra pounds. But now, if you're going to put extra nitrogen out in the fall, you have to worry about, I mean, everybody's talking about nitrogen going up in the air, nitrogen going down in the water. I mean, it's just, it's the environmental thing. So I usually tell guys, hey, rather than putting extra nitrogen out, why don't you spend those same dollars on the nitrogen stabilizer? So just talk to us about how the nitrogen stabilizer market has grown and what your outlook is for the future. Yeah, so like I like I mentioned, we do a pretty good job in the fall. Um, I think part of it is that, right? The old school thinking has changed a little bit. Um, we still run into that um, uh, every now and then where people say, "Well, I'll just add some extra nitrogen." <laughs> yep. um, however, we've we've recently done some some more tests and some updated trials to try and kind of debunk that a little bit. We've had some pretty good results um, where we've tested treated versus. Uh, untreated treated versus just adding uh, additional 20 to 30 units and and time and time again we're still coming ahead by using that stabilizer um, if you've got a hole in the bucket just continuing to add more more water to that bucket doesn't necessarily mean it's still going to be there you still got a hole and so what we're using what we're doing by using in serve in the fall or instinct or in serve in the spring is we're plugging the hole in that bucket um, to help protect what we've got out there uh, as an investment and i think going forward in the future we're going to continue to see that grow um, hopefully, we'd love to see it grow in the spring. Like I mentioned, that's when we're, we're most prone to loss. Um, and, and we at Corteva are doing a great job working with retailers and just trying to educate uh, our growers and retailers and everyone about the importance of protecting it in the spring. Um, it's no surprise you brought up environmental concerns. Um, that's getting to be more and more pressure every day uh, that we're facing with that. And so the more proactive we can be, um, I, I truly think the better. Yeah, I agree with you on the environmental side of things. If we as farmers can show just the general public, hey, we're doing things to hold the nitrogen in place so we don't have the risk for loss like we used to have, and we're trying to apply this responsibly and everything else, I think that bodes well for us moving forward. So, Ty, we got about a minute left here. Any last comments you have when it comes to nitrogen stabilizers? Um, yeah, sure. I'll just, I'd say the last couple comments I would have is just as you're looking at nitrogen stabilizers, there are several different products out on the marketplace. Um, we talked about the ones that we offer with NSERV and Instinct and Pennant Max. Um, what I would just ask is do your due diligence when you do look at those. Um, ask your agronomist about the active ingredients. Um, there, there's a lot of different products out on the market. We just want to want to vet them just as well, uh, just like we do with our herbicides and fungicides know what you're getting, know how much of that ingredient you're getting, uh, because it does matter, uh, just like our herbicides. And so if, if guys have any more questions or any more interest in InServ or Instinct or Pentamax, they can go to nitrogenstabilizers.com, and we've got tons of resources and, and information there for them as well. Again, that's Ty Stender with Corteva. Ty, thanks a lot for the time today. This was great. Yeah, thank you, and thanks for having me on. You bet. All right, again, we're talking nitrogen stabilizers here on the show. We are going to get to your questions coming up in the Ag PhD mailbag, getting a, a wide variety of questions, everything from tillage, tiling, uh, a bunch of soil test questions. So we'll get to those later in the show as well. Stay tuned. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. 
From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experience the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids. Extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. Effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car, steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. The greatest herbicide of all time earned its title by defending your soybean fields. Authority Supreme Herbicide's low use rate formula delivers longer lasting control of broadleaf weeds and grasses, providing you with the best in class combination of Group 14 PPO herbicide sulfentrazone and Class 15 molecule pyroxysulfone that outlasts the competition. We're Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC and we play to win. Learn more at authoritysupreme.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Thanks for joining us today. This is Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, and we're broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We've been talking about nitrogen stabilizers, and next on the show, we got Mike Evans with us. He is an agronomist with Extreme Ag. Mike, how are you today? Good, Brian. How are you? Excellent. All right, so we're talking about nitrogen stabilizers. Kind of tell us, like, in your area in Iowa, how much nitrogen stabilizers are getting used and and when they are being used? Uh, for us in western Iowa, um, you know, we're heavy or heavy anhydrous ammonia country. So a lot of it gets applied in the fall. Um, and I would say probably 70% of the market's probably using some form of stabilizer in that application. 
Nice. Uh, how about spring use? I, I assume there aren't nearly as many guys using the stabilizer in the spring when they're putting that nitrogen on, whether it's urea or 28%. No, it, uh, most guys we talk to that uh, do that application, there ain't quite as much stabilization used in that application. You're correct there. So a lot of times when I'm talking to guys about nitrogen, they bring up, well, hey, I'm I'm split applying now. Would you say split application is getting to be a big deal in your area as well? Yeah, it's it's uh, over the last two or three years it's picked up in uh, applic- or picked up in adoption uh, either on the planter or they're doing something with a coulter bar in season or a wide drop type application. Yep, and see, my opinion is this is one of the reasons why there are quite a few people yet that aren't using a stabilizer because they say, well, I'm only going to put a reduced rate on and then I'm going to come later right in season. The crop's going to use the nitrogen quick. Uh, so when you talk to people about nitrogen stabilizers, is that the kind of response you get? Or, I mean, is there some other reason why people aren't using the stabilizer? I think it's some of it's that. I think some of it's just not, you know, there ain't as much education around some of that later education. Uh, later applications, um, and some of it's just a cost thing Yeah. Um, when guys are doing budgets. Have you seen a big difference using the stabilizer versus not in an average year? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, we got some guys that actually put all their nitrogen on with uh, the planter in a two-by-two, two and, you know, that's always paid for them to be putting some kind of stable stabilizer on. <coughs> <laughs> And they're not having any issues with burning off roots or anything when they're putting all that nitrogen out two by two? Not yet. I think they, they're uh, <laughs> probably blessed with the soil they deal with. That yeah. helps alleviate some of those issues. Yeah, you guys get rain down there too, so I'm, I'm a little bit jealous of that. Uh, any, Mike, any other comments you got for us on nitrogen stabilizers? You know, I think... Uh, from what we've dealt with at Extreme Ag and stuff, learning with those guys is uh, one thing that one product probably or uh, that doesn't get talked a lot about that helps with that is humic acids um, with your nitrogen. Yep. Um, there's a lot of other kind of stabilizers, but we've seen great benefits of putting humic acid with your nitrogen in any application. Yep. Yep. Good point. Yeah, we don't talk about that enough. Probably should talk about it a little bit more. Well, again, we've been discussing nitrogen stabilizers with Mike Evans with Extreme Ag. Mike, thanks for the time today. Appreciate having you on the show. Yep. Thanks, Brian. You bet. All right, we're heading north of the border. That'd be the Canadian border. Going to visit with Kellen Huber with Caltech Ag. Kellen, how are you today? Well, we are in sunny Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, 50 degrees. Very unusual for temperature. I was When I saw you are going to be on the show today, I just thought, well, I mean, for Kellen, you guys are so cold up there. What do you even need a stabilizer for? Does the nitrogen even get into the plant? Do you get to like July or what? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. You know, we're having an unseasonable year this year and you know, I'm I'm really hoping that a lot of the guys that put nitrogen down this fall added a stabilizer to yeah. it because our ground conditions have been thawing during the day and freezing at night. Yep. So so much of that nitrogen is being volatile because a lot of guys just spread it up on top. Oh, yep. And I assume you're yeah. like us and you haven't had a tremendous amount of moisture here this fall or since that nitrogen got put on. No. 
we get a little bit of you know this year we it's it's crazy climates but uh we've had a little bit of snow and then it melts snow yep. and then it melts and you know you kind of got that a lot of that freeze thawing going on right now so anything that was put out in fall i'm going to be a little nervous to be honest with you yeah so so, uh, so just talk to us a little about the nitrogen stabilizer use up there because you have a number of different crops like in our area and especially as you go to the south and east it's pretty much just corn and soybeans but with your crops up there are there many people using stabilizers or because the nitrogen rates may be a little bit lower than a farmer in Iowa let's say is nitrogen stabilizer use not super common no, nitrogen stabilizer is not really common. It's starting to pick up, you know, as guys are trying to push bigger yields in the wheat, durums, uh, some of the flaxes, some of the, uh, especially the canolas, they're trying to take and push that nitrogen rate. And of course, everybody, you know, let's try and reduce the pass in the field. So let's take and add more nitrogen. And over my years of studying, you know, I've tried a lot of different things, a lot of different types of nitrogen programs. So I find stabilizers to be very beneficial, especially in springtime when most of our products up here are put down at seeding time. So it's trying to hold on to that nitrogen right through the next 60 days to when that plant is really building a lot of biomass. So I've been using a combination. I got about four or five different combinations of NBPT and uh, DCD in different formulations, as some of your previous people talked about. How are we taking stabilizing? You know, a lot of people don't understand about uh, stabilizing ammonium in AMS. So we have a different rate for that, <laughs> um, 46. And we use a lot of 28 up here. So those all require different values of nitrogen stabilizers. And of course, there's two different types of stabilizer, DCD and NBPT. And you use them in different ratios to take and keep things more stabilized. And like some of your previous callers had talked about, anhydrous, you know, keeping it stable longer. So we're finding a lot more successes when people want to think outside the box. And, you know, all the other thing that's really kind of become a good thing is we're reducing the amount of nitrogen that we're putting on because we're stabilizing it. Right. And that was what I was going to, that's what I was going to ask you about. I'm not super familiar with your carbon tax that you have up there, but does that help you? And what, I know you have a lot of environmental scrutiny on farms in Canada. So just talk to us about that a little bit. So yes, carbon tax is uh, referred to in the fertilizer industry and nitrogen is affected by that because of the loss. So carbon, uh, Carbon is a big part of it. I've actually used a lot of different carbon sources to help stabilize nitrogen. And as I was talking to Janelle about it, I said, maybe a lot of people don't think about how carbon actually bonds with nitrogen and actually stabilizes it with the clay yep. and actually holds on to it. And, you know, we talk a lot of carbon to nitrogen ratios. We talk about some people talk a 10 to 1, 12 to 1, 16 to 1. It depends where you're kind of at and what your clay content. But yep. I found tremendous success with carbon sources and nitrogen stabilization. I'm seeing, to be honest with you, I'm seeing a lot more long-term benefits. And as your previous caller talked about, six years ago, I started playing with humic acid and nitrogen. And one of the things that we've actually changed is pH values because 
28 and 32 coming out of the spigot is 7.2 pH, you know, roughly 7.2 to 7.5. Well, if you take and add the right humic acids and you have a pH correction tester, I've even dropped it down as low as 6.7. And from a plant's perspective of nitrogen, it likes the lower sixes, high sevens pH for nitrogen take-up. So there's a lot of complexity in nitrogen availability plant. Everybody figures that you take and put nitrogen out there, and it's there, you know, until the plant uses it. But the microbiology is actually what converts it into amino acids that the plant actually uses. Yeah. Uh, and that- a lot of people are still struggling with trying to figure out the difference between nitrogen nitrate and ammonium nitrate. <laughs> I, I agree with you. Hey, Kellen, if you wouldn't mind hanging on for us, I want to visit just a little bit more about this right after the break. Stay tuned. This is Ag PhD Radio. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter because now, you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year, BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. Are you ready? We got the need, the need for seed treatment. Start your engines. Ready, set, Intego. Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plans, do you think you could cut your farm's fertility expenses, maybe even increase your yields? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're holding our Ag PhD Soils Clinic on Tuesday, January 16th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the single most important day you spend in your farming career, and it's free. So register now at agphd.com. The hardworking, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. Take your tillage to the next level with the Insight Universal Tillage Tool from McFarland Ag. With more adjustability and flexibility, the Insight is the ultimate one-pass tillage tool. Visit McFarlandAg.com to find your closest dealer. 
It's a hungry world of 8 billion people. Let's not let them down. Commodity Classic is where you'll find innovation in the quest for bigger yields. Join us in Houston for new frontiers in agriculture. February 28th through March 2nd. Learn more at commodityclassic.com. Back here on Ag PhD Radio, I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Right before the break, we were visiting with Kellen Huber. He is up in Saskatchewan with Keltec Ag. So, Kellen, I want to come back to you for just a second, and we can talk more about the, the humic acid. But I want to come back to this carbon tax, because I don't know all the details, haven't looked it up, and I have. I, I, we have a lot of U.S. listeners who aren't familiar with this at all. So you said the carbon tax in Canada does tie to the nitrogen. How so and how does the farmer get hit with this carbon tax when he's applying nitrogen? Well, a lot of the things that the carbon tax actually pulls on is actually fuels up here. And and to be honest with you, I'm not a politician. I can't figure out an accounting programs of how everything kind of works out. But what it does is it actually, when they're doing a soil test, they do a carbon um, um, calculation. And it has to do with minimum till. So if you're doing no till, they give you a a carbon tax credit. Yep. And I'm not 100% positive because it seems to change for different farms. And then they give you an evaluation. So I don't have 100% of what the carbon tax ratio is, but I know when it comes to fuels, when it comes to transportation, and one of the big things carbon tax gets hit on is products like natural gas when it comes to drying the crop. That becomes increasingly expensive. And I think it's right now, and they measure it by the ton. I believe it's uh, right now it's $130 a ton. And that is, an, again, a mathematical accounting program. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not 100% on that. And I just know that we need more carbon in our soils to grow bigger plants. So I'm yep. kind of not perfectly the guy on that program. Well, every once in a while, I'll talk to a farmer who's complaining about something here in the United States. And I'm like, you know, it could be worse. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, you could be in Canada. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of great things in Canada, a lot of great people there. But I will just say I'm happy that I am not yet paying a carbon tax here, at least directly in the United States. But I mean, that day could be coming. And so this is part of the reason why we keep talking about using our resources as efficiently and effectively as we can and being careful with them like nitrogen and so that's where it comes back to this nitrogen stabilizer thing if we as farmers aren't using nitrogen properly and it ends up in the water or in the air we're just we're we're going to get hit with more regulations possibly taxes like that so those are the reasons why i think even if you say, well, my dollar loss isn't much from losing the nitrogen, you, you still have to be concerned about this. So anyway, uh, you were talking earlier about humic acid as a stabilizer. So how does that work exactly? You mentioned pH and things like that, but just talk to us about how it's stabilizing that nitrogen and what kind of effectiveness you've seen. So um, the, the humic acid is a carbon source that actually is a lignite coal formulation and what that does is it actually attaches to the base raw urea frill and holds on to it and sequesters that to stay in the soil and become it stabilizes it and at that point in time it the carbon ratio of nitrification 
bonds that to the clay particle and it'll hold tighter to the soil. In our evaluation, what's happened is that we can re if, if there is a specific goal that we're looking for, if there's a specific goal we're looking for in yield, there's a lot of equivalencies that are out there. Like one of the general things in canola, wheat, uh, a lot of crops up here, they call three pounds of nitrogen to one bushel. Well, as we take in elate, or let's say make the nitrogen more available or control it better, we can reduce the amount of nitrogen because it's more available and it's more available to the microbiology to take and convert into amino acids, which is what the plant takes up. So the, the humic asks as a buffer and actually it helps it with chelating onto the clay colloid and stabilizing it. And we've seen a lot of situations where our low input farmers want to, you know, they're, they're cautious about what the commodity prices are. So we've grown a lot of 57, 60 bushel wheat crops on 60 pounds of N. And a lot of people are excited about that. Nitrogen stabilizer is a really good one-time use, but it doesn't have a lot of longevity because it tends to run out in about 20, 20 days, we'll say it, 18 to 20 days, and it really starts to peter off. Humic acid helps build the soil ecology. It helps bring on the calciums. It helps bring on the sulfurs. And it helps make that nitrogen that you're putting out there, which is a you know fairly high commodity, it helps it make it work better by chelating it and attaching it to the soil colloid. And we've seen, you know, we've gotten wheat yields up into the 130s in our durums, and we're doing it on a pound of N to uh, a bushel of grain. That excites a lot of people. So there's always, you want to put products on that are going to have the availability to be there for the next season. And they may not be in total concentrations. They may be uh, break down a little bit, but you're slowly starting to build. And humic acid and carbons, because we've been using a calcium carbon complex called lignosulfonate. And actually that has also been a, another exciting thing for nitrogen. But it's, there's just so many more things that are built into a plant to give it yield. And it's, you know, you and I have talked about this many times. It's the law of limitations. And everybody had that direct thought. If we put more nitrogen out there, we're going to get more yield. Right. But in season seems to be the most effective way for us up in, in Canada. Now, there's a lot of people that are used to doing it in certain ways. But new traditions are talking about because a plant grows in the way that it accommodates itself, not as humans do for time frame. You know, so we really have to understand the different physiologies of when the plant is growing and what that nutrition need is. Yeah, my only fear is when you don't get rain. So, I mean, like for us, we very often go two to four weeks without rain right in the middle of the growing season. So I want to make sure I'm a little on the early side with my nitrogen and I want sure. it down in the ground. Or if I'm not going to put it down in the ground, then I've got to have enough rain. So I just, I try to be earlier in the drier areas. And yeah, if you're in an area that's irrigated or if you have lots of rain, then you, you can do more stuff in season. Hey, Kellen, my last question for you, got a couple minutes left, is... What I usually tell guys is, look, whatever you're going to spend on a humic or on a nitrogen stabilizer, 
I feel like most of the time you can cut those same amount of that same amount of dollars out of your nitrogen program. So you mentioned cutting nitrogen earlier. Is that something you talk about, or what's kind of your guideline for how much nitrogen you can cut? Well, it's it, it's a yield goal. You know, you try and ask the farmer, what do you want for a yield goal this year? And my threshold is about 60 pounds at a one-time application because if you take and put too much out, we really don't see that conversion based on soil tests, plant tissue tests. So I'm not just guessing on this. You know, we're really digging down into the soil test, in-season soil tests. So I'd want to do 60 pounds at a time, stabilize it, humic acid, carbons, uh, MBPT, DCDs, either or like that. And then if we're trying to build that bigger goal, we take and start doing smaller increments of nitrogen throughout the season through a foliar application. So we'll try and, you know, use the, you know, like the Ag PhD uh, crop removal um, app. Yep. Excellent tool to take in, give you a good idea. But again, soil test, figuring out what your soil is and watching the climatic conditions. Like you said earlier, if you think it's going to be dry, getting it out there, stabilizing it earlier is your safer bet. If you know a rain's coming on and you, you feel the need to go, yeah, I've, I've had really good results with liquid and I've had good results with granular in season two. So there's a lot of climatic conditions that play into that. And it's just being good at reading your plants. Yep, absolutely. Well, again, that's Kellen Huber. He's with Keltec Ag up in Saskatchewan. Kellen, as always, thanks a lot for the time. This is great stuff. Merry Christmas, Brian, and talk to you in the new year. You bet. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Kellen brought up a lot of great points. Um, <laughs> one of the last things he had there is 60 pounds of nitrogen at a time. And I'm sure if you were listening and you are shooting for 250 or 300 bushel corn, you thought, um, I may need to put on some more than that. So anyway, we'll talk about that right after this break and get to your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag. Stay tuned. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post-application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy-duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. You have a lot at stake when it comes to raising corn. I'm Darren Hefty. That's why on Wednesday, January 17th, we're holding a free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll help you navigate all the challenges of corn production, including how to manage exploding pest populations, resistant diseases, fertility challenges, and more. It's a day packed with information. So if you want to get the most out of your corn this season, don't miss the free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop. Register now at agphd.com. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Can you predict the future? I can't. That's why when I'm planting soybeans, I treat with Heads Up Seed Treatment. 
with more than 15 years of research, Heads Up offers proven protection against both white mold and sudden death syndrome. So no matter what the year throws at you, you've already taken that first step to be prepared. Don't let your beans suffer from disease when they're just starting to look their best. Tell your seed dealer you need Heads Up Seed Treatment. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. How can Naturals products help you raise bigger and better crops? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. Biologicals, or naturals as we call them, are impacting every facet of agriculture today, and that will only grow in the future. That's why we're devoting a full day to our Ag PhD Naturals workshop, Wednesday, February 7th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of naturals products, and we want to share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. There's an innovative new soybean herbicide on the market that's helping close the door on weed resistance and open new doors to productivity. Preview 2.1 SC Herbicide from UPL is a multi-mode of action pre-emergent that controls the most resistant broadleaf weeds at the beginning of the season and continues to control later weeds with strong residual activity. Ask your retailer about Preview 2.1 Herbicide from UPL and always read and follow label directions. Welcome back. This is Ag PhD Radio, and I'm Brian Hefty. Live from the Morton studio, we're talking about nitrogen stabilizers today. I just want to leave you with this. Please consider using a nitrogen stabilizer. It should help you cut your nitrogen rate just a little bit. If we're going to use a stabilizer on our farm, I'm generally figuring we're going to have less loss, meaning I should be able to get by with just a little bit less nitrogen. So that's probably my number one comment. And then I, I just wanted to bring up where Kellen had said, hey, and their work 60 pounds at a time on nitrogen and stabilizing it. Look, we're going for 300 plus bushel corn on our farm on a bunch of fields. Um, I'm probably going to make more or probably going to make fewer than like in that case, four or five applications of nitrogen. And I'm going to assume you're in the same boat. Well, if let's say you've got... Uh, even heavy soil, and you want to put out 200 pounds in a shot, like we will in the spring, um, you may. that's really where you may be considering a stabilizer, some humic acid, something, and just try some things on your farm, see what you see over time. But I do think this is going to get to be a bigger deal regulatory-wise, and the more that we as farmers voluntarily use nitrogen management, proper nitrogen management techniques, the less hopefully we will have for regulation and taxes and all that kind of stuff moving forward. All right, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! First question comes in from Jim in Australia. He says, guys, I'm looking to plant some mung beans and I've been told by agronomists all I can use is prowl and some pursuit. Well, I talked to an agronomist about valor and he said it's extremely risky and that raindrops splashing the chemical off the soil onto the leaves can destroy the crop. What do you think? Okay, so first of all, Jim, let me just say, uh, in dry beans, Valor is not a common recommendation we make, but Spartan is. So sulfentrazone is the active ingredient. But when we're talking dry beans, that's usually the direction that we steer people toward. There's also metolachlor that could potentially be used or 
uh, the new Zidua product that we've been talking about quite a bit, peroxisulfone. So those are things you could take a look at. As far as Valor, I don't know if I, I don't, I'm not sure if it's labeled in your country or not on mung beans, but I, I, I believe what the agronomist is telling you is exactly right, that it's risky. Uh, some of the work I've seen, it does mean a little bit of it's going to ding up your mung beans. So basically, there's some risk there. However, if you have weeds, the weeds oftentimes are much worse than the valor hurting your beans. So it, you just have to make sure it's labeled. But I would be looking at sulfentrazone first rather than the valor. As far as this splash up thing, splash up looks bad. We see it in soybeans. We see it in any crop where valor isn't tilled in. And it's just laid on the soil surface, sitting there, and then your first big rain comes when the crop is emerged. That's where you see this valor splash-up thing. But you can till it in, then you don't have much problem with that typically. And then the other thing is, well, it burns the lower leaves, we almost never see any yield loss. In fact, when you're in the vegetative stages in soybeans, you can lose pretty much all the leaves. Look at the hail charts that are done. They'll show you it's not as important as you might think to have all those leaves and have them all look super healthy early on. Although I would love to have them look healthy all the time. All right, next question here comes from Jacob in Minnesota. He says, guys, I'm considering some dry manure solids spread in a field. So the problem is I'm a little ways from the dairy that is doing this and I'd have to pay trucking and spreading and it's going to cost $12 a ton for application. So what I'm looking at here is, uh, is this worth it? Because when I look at my cost for commercial fertilizer, it's not a whole lot different than this. Okay, so, oh, and by the way, he says, if I was to put on 15 tons, the salt level still looks fine. And I agree with you, the salt level still looks fine. You're looking at about 300 pounds of salt for 15 tons. So it's not not terrible, especially in Minnesota on heavier ground. So just looking at the soil test real quick, I'd say, um, yeah, you're short on P and K and stuff. Uh, <laughs> Jacob does bring up, or Jake does bring up, uh, he needs some tiling. Jake, you do need some tiling. In your top six inches for sulfur, you've got uh, a lot, uh, 1,500, 2,000 pounds of sulfur in your top six inches. That means you got a massive drainage problem. And I can see why there, uh, you know, there is a lot of magnesium and stuff. So anyway, I just say this, if it's me, yes, I love having some manure out there. However, I usually will tell guys, you know what? I'd like to have a little bit of the manure and then I'll go commercial fertilizer on the rest. So you do get some micronutrients. You do get some beneficial microbes and things like that. So I would absolutely be trying some. You can try some at 15 tons, maybe try some at 10, some at 5, and then do some other spreading. So just all things for you to consider. I get it that, hey, if somebody else is going to spread your fertilizer, now you have commercial fertilizer. Now you have two people. Now you're uh, spreading costs might go up. So we spread all our own fertilizer in our farm. So I look at things a little bit differently than a lot of guys. So I get it. You only want one of the two going across the field. So maybe it's, Hey, we'll do this 15 tons. We'll try this out. And then a year or two from now, we'll just have commercial fertilizer spread on, and then we'll keep rotating or something like that. So I'm not too, um, 
too hung up on, hey, it's about the same price. We've seen that for years, but a lot of times you do get some extra stuff in there and I think it's pretty good. So I, I would at least be trying some. All right, let's see. Next one here is some more soil tests. This is from Matt and let's see, he's from Wisconsin. So here's the question. He says, I got a problem spot in the field. The soil's very tight and works up in little clay balls every spring. We see a big yield drag. Unfortunately, tiling isn't an option for this, this corner of the field. I see it's high in magnesium compared to calcium. So I was thinking about, could I just lime the area? But the pH is already high. So what do you recommend doing on this ground to help out? Well, the number one thing is tile because over time, we could flush that excess magnesium out. Your magnesium is just extra high in that bad spot. I see all your soil tests. The magnesium is extra high right there. So you can you can change the ratio, but that's not going to flush the magnesium out. And yeah, you're probably going to push your pH even higher. That's what's happened to us when we've done a similar thing in similar ground on our farm. So it's okay. Yeah, I mean, it's better than nothing throwing some lime out there you'll probably get some advantage because you'll have some more available calcium and stuff like that. But I mean, long-term, the only real answer is tiling. And then you can flush that sulfur or that magnesium out with sulfur. It, it takes about two pounds of sulfur, if I remember right off the top of my head, to remove about one pound of magnesium. So ultimately, that's the answer. Um, and I would say, if you do push the pH a little higher with that, that lime, uh, just make sure you're fertilizing with every other nutrient that you need, get your soil as balanced as you can, and then you'll probably have to pick better varieties that withstand higher pH soils, and it will probably be okay. All right, next one here is from Gabriel. Uh, actually, I got a couple uh, emails that came in from questions I tried to answer yesterday, and apparently I didn't do the best job. So anyway, Gabriel sends this in and says, uh, sorry, I didn't put my whole question in there. So yesterday we were talking about his soil samples and just the varying soil type and everything. But anyway, he said, I planted my corn at 34,000. About the 1st of August, I got 12 inches of rain in two days. Well, the plant didn't break off like a typical green snap. The roots like literally fell out of the ground. Is there a certain nutrient that I'm deficient in that would have prevented that? Well, when we looked at your soil test yesterday, Gabriel, there were quite a few nutrients that you were deficient in. Do I think that that is the reason why your roots and your plant fell out of the ground? No, I don't. Um, I think it's more likely compaction and that maybe the, the planting depth wasn't as deep as it should be. we got to get more roots down so it's just more stable as a plant. However, when you get 12 inches of rain in two days, anything can happen. I don't know if you could have ever solved that problem. And then the last one is from the Bergie. And I, I thought um, the Bergie was talking about tilling yesterday, but it was the comment was about tiling in that uh, we don't have a lot of moisture here where we farm. And so why would you even consider tiling? The reason why is because at certain times of the year, the water table gets high and that causes a lot of problems for us. And just like in some of these last questions, we got to flush excesses out, whether it's excess sulfur or magnesium or any calcium, whatever. We can't do that if we don't have good drainage there. All right, before we go, just want to say thanks to my sister Janelle for producing the show for us today. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio and have a Merry Christmas.